Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right, everybody, welcome to the last day of January. Before we jump in, we really want to connect and engage with you. So please join us in the virtual patio after these services or this week, our racial reconciliation midweek conversation version 4.0 starts. So join us midweek for that. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to dive in. Let's go. Father, thank you for this book. Your word is timeless. So this word is timely. And Father, I pray that you would uh, minister to us where we are right now. Grab our hearts. Jesus, emerge from these pages of this book and speak to our hearts. Pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it was a pastoral visit I was and wasn't looking forward to. It was the early spring in 2020, and it was a dear PCC or someone who meant the world to me who was in the late stages of our battle with cancer. In my visits with Carol, I would sit on the patio of her home and she would sit through the glass door and we would meet, separated by about 10 feet. And I didn't know this would be our last visit, but as we met that day, she spoke about what she's learning from God's word. She spoke about how, what she's praying for in her grandkids' lives and things that will long outlast her. She spoke of what she longs for at PCC and what she longs for us to become as a church. And then she spoke about what she's most looking forward to regarding heaven. That visit, we cried, we laughed together. And I left her patio after praying with her and I called the colleague and I said, I just hung out with the most alive person ever. The irony is, I said to my buddy, like, she's dying. You know, among other things, and there's many, Carol Phelan taught me that the reality is we're all dying. But the sad thing is we're not all living. Uh, that's actually why the book of Habakkuk is in God's word. To teach us how to live and how to trust God in troubled times. Even in 2020, 2021, pandemic-filled, politically divided, racially tense, traumatic times. So before we get to chapter 3, let's review where we've been. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets, and he was a temple musician. That's going to be important for our study today. His name in Hebrew means to embrace or to wrestle. God declared in chapter 1 that his people, Israel, was defiant and that judgment was coming. Habakkuk couldn't argue with how far God's people had drifted. They were indeed deviant and were violent. They were corrupt. His problem was the fact that God was using a more corrupt and violent nation as his means for judgment, the Babylonians. So Habakkuk, in courtroom fashion, objects and protests. He says, God, you claim to be just. This doesn't seem just. This doesn't seem fair. That's chapter one. And if you've ever been in a place where what you see with your eyes contradicts what you believe in your heart. This is the book for you. And so Habakkuk goes on a journey. Chapter 1, he wrestles with God in troubled times. Chapter 2 is all about waiting 
on God in troubled times. And today in chapter three, he will culminate by worshiping God in the midst of troubled times. And I want to just give us a spoiler alert, everybody. Habakkuk 3 ends with one of the most famous songs of worship in all the Old Testament. But here's the crazy thing. Habakkuk doesn't worship because God has answered his prayers and turned everything his way. No, he's worshiping in spite of terrible circumstances and in spite of living in the contradiction between what he sees with his eyes and believes in his heart, he worships. And so before we jump in, we better start with the definition of worship. And let's look at the Bible to define the Bible, okay? Romans 12, 1 gives probably the best definition of worship in all of Scripture. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen, worship can be audible singing, but it's so much more than that. Chapter 3 actually is written in Habakkuk as a Hebrew song. If we had more time, I'd point out the musical notes throughout the whole chapter. But in the whole of the Bible, worship is defined this way. God-empowered, God-surrendered, God-oriented, obedient living. Friends, that's worship. So, Habakkuk knew the goodness and love of God in spite of life's circumstances. That's the big idea. He knew the goodness and love of God in spite of life's circumstances. How did he know that? How did he get through the hard? That's what today is all about. Here's the first thing he did. Chapter 3, verse 2 to 15, remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. After wrestling and waiting in chapter 3, we read this in verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And then he says, in your wrath, remember mercy. Now, literally, that word mercy, it's the number one attribute of God in all the Bible, and it's the Hebrew word for womb. In other words, Habakkuk is calling on the warm love, depth of God's mercy for him. He's appealing to God, remember your mercy. And then, almost as if the word remember triggers something for Habakkuk, he reaches for a memory, which is we see throughout all the Old Testament, and he rehearses for him his gospel in verse 3 to 15. Now, what was the gospel for the Old Testament? It's the book of Exodus. It's the story of the Exodus. It's God delivering Israel out of slavery. That is the Old Testament gospel, and that's exactly where Habakkuk goes. He'll put that track record in song to trigger and cement the truth into his memory. That's chapter 3, verse 3 to 15. What's he remembering? I won't go through verse by verse, but let me just give you a synopsis. The children of Israel were in slavery, they were in bondage, and they had no power to get themselves out. But God delivered them. Not because of what they did. God delivered them because of his character and what he would do. Friends, for us in the New Testament times and beyond, that's our gospel. 
that's our gospel, God delivering us, not on the basis of anything we do, but on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. Can I get an amen? Right? See, he's reciting the gospel to himself until he gets to verse 16. He says, okay, and he settles in the gospel, and we'll get there in a minute. But let me ask you a question. Where do you anchor your faith when you're in a faith storm? When what you see with your eyes betrays what you know with your heart. You know, in the Old Testament, I alluded to this, they, they had a practice of building altars, or what they would call stones of remembrance, for this very purpose. So when they couldn't see God's hand at work in circumstances, these stones would tell the story of God's faithfulness, and they would recall it again and again and again. You know, we don't have stones of remembrance in the Gadini house or in the Gadini life, but we keep them all over our house. I have them all over my office, this cardboard over my shoulder. It says, we're waiting for you. We held that for nine months while we were in our adoption journey. And I've already told you about how seemingly impossible it was to get our fifth daughter out of the Congo. And now it stands as a testimony of God's deliverance. I have a manifile in my office. I have it electronically. It is just filled with cards and notes and details of God's faithfulness. I've got a bullet in my office. I've got a poker chip in my office uh, that, that tells me, of, reminds me of people coming to Christ and repenting from serious sin. One time I was at a conference and a teenager gave me a bag of weed. I didn't keep that. I, I threw that away. It's not in my manifile now. But it, it, it reminded me of like, God is faithful. So I want to ask you a question. You're not going to break up, but just write this down. Where's your manifile? Where do you access your stories of remembrance? Sometimes we just need to walk down memory lane. And it doesn't even have to be all that dramatic. Some mentors to Ann and me who've been married 55 years told us uh, just last month how nightly they experience what I would call thank therapy. They just rehearse at the end of the night with each other. What are we grateful for? Where has God showed up? So the first thing Habakkuk does he remembers what God had done previous to his life. He rehearses the character of God. And here's a second, verse 16, very important and hard. Accept what God is doing. Now listen, don't mistake acceptance for understanding. We can and we must actually come to a place of acceptance whether we understand the wise or not. Acceptance doesn't have to mean you like it, but I am just telling you in any journey you're taking, acceptance is critical in your life. Now, how would I define acceptance? What do I mean by this? Acceptance is embracing the present, both good and bad, in order to shape the future. I'm going to say that again. Acceptance is embracing the present, both good and bad, in order to shape the future. Now just stop right there and pause. I just want you to ask you, we're not going to go to a break or anything, but where, what circumstance do you need to accept right now? Hold that, okay, as we go into this. And look at verse 16. This is Habakkuk's acceptance prayer. And I don't want us just to read it. I want you to feel what we read. Look what he says in verse 16. I heard and my heart 
compounded. In Hebrew, it's a lot more dramatic than that. Literally, it says, my bowels trembled. He feels this deeply. Then he says, my lips quivered at the sound. In other words, he's crying right now. Decayed, crept into my bones. He feels this deeply. My legs trembled. Yet I'll wait patiently for the day of calamity to come. He's talking about the Babylon, Babylon's coming in and invading, uh, on the nation invading us. God's word just struck deep in this man. Habakkuk looked truth squarely in the eyes, squarely in the face, and he said, I realize what God said is going to come to pass, and this isn't going to be pleasant. I still don't understand, but there's going to be a lot of carnage, probably my life and the lives of my loved ones, and God, I may not like it, but I accept and I trust you even when I don't understand you. Raise your hand if you've been there. And then he says, in essence, I'm willing to lose my battle of understanding if it means, God, you winning your war. You know, in my Bible, I keep uh, a serenity prayer. I think our friends in the recovery community have taught us well around this issue of acceptance. Most of us know the first few lines of this serenity prayer, but you probably don't know the rest of it. The first few lines that are well known, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Listen to how the rest of the serenity prayer goes. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I will reasonably be happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Maybe your application in this point is just Googling the serenity prayer. Do what I did. Download it and keep it in your Bible. Access it regularly. Why? Because there's times when things happen in our lives we don't understand, we don't like. <laughs> Hello, 2020, 2021. But understanding and liking isn't the issue. Accepting it and holding on to what is revealed and what will never change, that's the issue. I have to accept it, but I'm going to hold on to something that will never change. What's that? God's love, God's character, God's presence, God's word. That's critical. Why? Because our senses can be so uh, limiting, limiting when it comes to reality. Reality is so much more than what we see or hear or read. It's so much more than the diagnosis or the rejection or the breakup. There is so much more going on in the spiritual realm than what you see with your eyes or read or hear with your ears. You know, one of the verses that I've been holding on to in 2020 a lot, when I think of my life and the lives of my loved ones, the lives of our church, John 5, 17, Jesus said, the Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Ah, acceptance is so critical, and there's so much more going on than what meets the eye. So as you think through this, what is your hard that you're facing and fighting against? 
And maybe more importantly, what's keeping you from accepting it? How do followers of Jesus walk differently in these times? You remember what God's done. You accept what God's doing. Here's, a, here's where you get to. Here's where we all want to get to. Then you trust in what God will do. Friends, verse 17 and 19 are probably the richest verses easily in the whole book. Look what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, in other words, commerce is completely failed right now. Though the olive crop fails, that refers to there's no medical treatment. There's no way to light our lamps. And the fields produce no food. They're in a famine right now. Though there are no sheep in the pen or cattle in the stalls. In other words, my reputation is gone. I have no power. I have no wealth. Friends, this is a picture of utter devastation. So he comes to the place of acceptance and he makes a decision. Look what it says. Yet I will rejoice. That word means to treasure, to savor. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I'm so blown away that even when Habakkuk has no earthly reason to worship, he ultimately gets to the place where he is, don't miss this, okay, a though yet follower instead of an if then follower. That's maturity. Do you see the difference? Uh, if then following is like this God, if you do this, then I'll obey. If you don't, I'm out. Though yet following is, even though it makes no earthly sense, Jesus, even though you never called me to a life that makes earthly sense anyway, even though my prayers don't seem answered, even though this diagnosis continues, even though I, yada, 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 it goes on and on, yet I will praise you. I just have a Gary Gedini version of Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19. God, even though the headlines chronicle another act of injustice, even though my spouse said, till death do us part, and didn't live up to their word, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord my God. God, even though we honored you financially and spiritually pre-COVID, and through COVID, everything got wiped out. My career-wise was gone, financially gone. Even though I raised my kids to know better, and now as adults, they're making scary decisions, or as teenagers, they're making scary decisions right now, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though we prayed physically for healing for a loved one, and they actually got worse or died, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though my senior year in high school isn't anything I'd hoped for, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand, even though I know you could, you should, but you're not, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. Even though, if then. See, Habakkuk isn't rejoicing after the suffering. And he's certainly not rejoicing for the suffering. He's not, you know, into pain. He's rejoicing in God in the midst of suffering. What we see here, not only here, but in a lot of other places in Scripture, 
the joy of the Lord happens inside the sorrow and suffering. Because as Nehemiah stated in Nehemiah 8.6, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now quickly, look at verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. See, he's, he's pulling on God's sovereignty. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go up on the heights. What does that mean? The heights of character, the heights of intimacy with God, the heights of resilience, the heights of spiritual vision. See, as I've wrestled with God, as I've waited on God, as I'm worshiping God in the midst of troubled times, something's happened inside of me. I'm becoming different. I'm becoming more like Christ. See, friends, moral of the story as we wrap this up, when you do the Habakkuk, which in Hebrew, remember, is wrestling, embracing. When you wrestle with God, when you wait on God in spite of circumstances, when you say and you burn your bridge, I'm not going anywhere because that would be far worse than wrestling and waiting. I'm here. Oh, I, you, will, you will take your soul, will go to new heights with the Lord. I pray we all get to Habakkuk 3 in our experience of worship but we can't get there without wrestling like he did in chapter 1 and waiting like he did in chapter 2. You know, I, I would just tell you the last 10 months that we've been in this COVID uh, season and everything that's come with it, uh, it has been 10 months where I have worshipped and experienced worship more than any 10-month period in my life. I've had to. I've had to uh, load worship songs on my Apple uh, playlists. Uh, I've had to embrace authentic community and just be, uh, come to them in, in ways I've never had to be authentic before and, and strive and, and to live obediently in authentic community. Oh, it's, it's just been tough and it's been beautiful, the intimacy that I personally have experienced through this. I, I wouldn't script this. I told you at the start of this, I put a red X through 2020 like Time Magazine did. And yet, I'm experiencing the Lord in ways with intimacy I've never experienced Him. Where did I learn that? Well, among other places, from my friend Carol Phelan. You know, her whole cancer journey right to her promotion to heaven. She always accessed faith in worship, even in the hard. And that final time we had together, even though I didn't know it was be our final time together, she said, you know, Gary, this is hard. This is heartbreaking. I wouldn't want this for anything. But then she said, I actually wouldn't trade it for anything because of the intimacy I gained with the Lord. Friends, here's the thing about life. No one gets out of life unscathed. But how do we not get taken out by life circumstances? As followers of Christ, you Habakkuk. You wrestle. And can I add, you Habakkuk in community. You wrestle and embrace God with other trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. And even when you don't understand, you don't walk away, you lean in. And even when you don't have the faith, you say to your community, will you have faith for me and carry me? And you say, God, I'm, I'm pushing back, but I love you. I don't understand, but I need you. And you embrace God. 
in the midst of that embrace and dance, if you will, that wrestle, the Spirit of God will grow the life of Jesus in you, and you will look more and more like Christ. And your life will be taken to new levels spiritually with new character, new Christ-like character. I promise that's the case. So I want to invite you in all of this to one simple application. Get in Christ-like community. If you're not in a group, it's time today. Go to the Grow tab on our website. Join a group so that you can wrestle with God in community. It's the design of the church. And COVID can't take that away. Now, before we pray, next week, I'm going to give you my top six takeaways from the book of Habakkuk. Don't miss next week. Let's pray. (sighs) Father, I'm so thankful as we pray for um, to be a part of this community and to have witnessed your faithfulness through the saints who have wrestled with you and have lived and have died well. Lord, I'm so thankful for my own community, the group of men and women around my life, that I can live authentically and wrestle with you in their presence so that they can carry me and pray for me and one another me well. I pray for that. I pray that there would be a revival of authentic Christ-like community in our body. There would be a revival of worship in this COVID time. Lord, I pray that you would bring about new heights of Christ-like character. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.